I'm leaving. Go marry someone else and make them famous. Just take away your freedoms like you did to me. Treat them like you ain't nothing. Okay, all right, go ahead. <laughs> and we're leaving that in. Hello, no. welcome, to, <laughs> welcome to today's episode of Choosing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy. And I am Marshall Mathers. Uh, sure, buddy. Um, yeah. And welcome to uh, welcome to tonight's episode of the show, the Thursday night morning, I guess, technically, episode of your favorite podcast. Um, we're coming at you on Wednesday, February 10th. The Super Bowl is the recent memory, and uh, we're going to go over the game, hot takes, and thoughts and feelings from the last game of the NFL season and get into a slew of other NFL topics that have been happening over the course of the past week. Um, so there's a lot to get into. We will ch- do what we can in the hour and change we typically do things in. So, uh, Corbin, are you ready to get started? I guess. I mean, to let everybody in on the kind of day, I guess Josh and I are both having is, I, you know, Josh started, I'm rapping, and I am, as soon as he starts talking, I immediately just yawn into the mic. So I hope you all can hear that. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. We are both barely alive today. Enjoy it. <laughs> um, all right. So the Super Bowl um, was a 31 to 9 Tampa Bay Buccaneers win over the Chiefs, shattering both Corwin and I. Um, at my impression or prediction of the game winner and score. Um, it was uh, for Patrick Mahomes. He went 26 for 49, 270 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, three sacks, good for a 52.3 quarterback rating. He also uh, attempted five rushes for 11 yards, 30, th- sorry, 33 yards. Uh, Tom Brady on the other side of the ball. 21 for 29, 201 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, one sack, a 125.8 quarterback rating. Um, on the Chiefs side of the ball, they had 100-yard performer. Uh, Travis Kelsey went um, 10 receptions on 15 targets for 133 yards. But that's it. Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire finished with a combined 87 yards and then uh no one else got more than 80 uh most people finishing below 20 uh on the uh jacksonville no not jacksonville tampa bay yeesh side of the ball uh leonard Fournette had a over 100 yard performance 89 yards rushing 46 yards receiving uh one receiving touchdown and then that's it for their 100 yard receivers but you know you got 60 yards from ronald jones 67 yards from rob gronkowski production happening elsewhere uh, anyway, Corwin, what did you think of this game? As far as Super Bowl, go, Super Bowls go, God damn it, off to a great start today. You're welcome, guys. Um, not fantastic. Uh, game-wise, I thought it was fairly boring, uh, even though the Tampa Bay defense was wildly dominant. Um, you know, it, it really just goes to show, you know, we talk about this come draft season. We talk about this through, you know, when we reach free agency, whenever we talk team building, you know, teams are built on the foundations that you have with your offensive and defensive line. And that was just such a clear example in this game. You know, the 
Tampa Bay offensive line was unstoppable. Tom Brady barely had to move an inch. The Tampa Bay defensive line was just so utterly dominant of the Kansas City backups that it completely shut down what is, you know, the modern day greatest show on turf. And it was shocking, I would say, for most people watching um, because, you know, we don't see Pat Mahomes get shut down. It's just not something that has occurred more than twice. I would say both Chargers games um, would be the only times that I really have ever seen the offense look bad. And, you know, Pat Mahomes played his fucking heart out, but the pressure is just unbeatable. Like, there's no way to to kind of work around that. Um, you know, as great of a coach as Andy Reid is, he is great at preparation, almost unbeatable when it comes to preparation. In-game adjustments is not something he does well. And, you know, you go into this game with a broken offensive line against a absolutely dominant front seven. You have to think to yourself, okay, you know, I have Pat Mahomes, I have Tyree Kill, I have Travis Kelsey. We're going to be throwing the ball 40 times this game. And what happens happened was, you know, they basically... We're expecting pass on every single play, and they defended the pass on every single play, and they were able to get pressure without blitzing the quarterback with four-man rushes, and they didn't change their game plan to run the ball. You know, They averaged like six yards a rush, and they couldn't really take advantage of it because they didn't make those adjustments. I imagine part of it was not wanting to take the ball out of Pat Mahomes' hand as they were falling behind. And it led to what we saw. You know, It's hard to beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl to begin with. It's hard to beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl when you're down early. And you know, it, it kind of was the perfect storm for Tampa Bay where everything went their way. So you know, I've been rambling for a while now. So Josh, you have uh, any thoughts, anything that stuck out for you from this game? Oh, man. Um, I think the lack of deviation from the... Because one of the things that felt weird about this game is it felt like we were watching the same plan from Kansas City the entire way through. You know, at no point did it feel like they were trying too much different. Um, which would be one thing if they were winning. Uh, they very much so were not. Um, they had that three-point advantage in the beginning because of the field goal, and then the second that um, Gronk got his touchdown, his first touchdown of the day, they never led a, came anywhere near leading again in the game. Um, obviously, Kansas City's receivers really let him down. Um, some terrible, terrible drops this game. Mm -hmm. um, but... You know, even if even if they made all those catches, the defense that that Tampa Bay brought, the defensive plan that Tampa Bay brought to this game, I'm still not sure it would have been enough. I actually think Kansas City's defense performed rather admirably. Um, there's only so much one can do. Um, 31 points is obviously a a lot, um, but you know, two turnovers with the interceptions from off of Mahomes and the fact that, that the the um, 
Chiefs just never really got anything going, led to a lot of very successful drives um, with a lot of very good field position too, with the terrible punting. Um, oh, that one punt that they had to redo and ended up costing them like forty yards. Oh, yeah, oh. Where, the one where um, the the Bucks started on Kansas City's forty, like mm. crazy. Um, it was it was oh my god, it was just roundly terrible. Uh, that you know, even like I said, even if they had made all of those catches, I'm not sure it changes anything. Um, well, I'm I'm sure that you know the score would look a little better, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, you know, we might be talking about how the Chiefs lost this game thirty-one to twenty-five or some shit or twenty-four. I'm not quite sure what number we're at here. Um, but actually, I guess twenty-three, two touchdowns doesn't matter. Um, but man, it was just it was just fucking all right. You know, so let's get into some of the stats on it. Um. So Pat Mahomes, he intended, so he he completed 270 yards, okay? He intended in the air 382 yards and completed air yards, got 131. So he only ended up actually completing one-third of the total in yards, air yards that he intended on uh, in his throws, which might I add, also doesn't include how far back behind the line of scrimmage he was um, for all these fucking plays, which is immense. Just a, uh, a stat I want to throw in there while you're mentioning that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have you seen the stat of how many yards he rushed um, in total behind the line? Oh, you know, I think you sent this to me, but I forget. Yeah, say say it out. Uh, if you had to guess, like what a, an appropriate number would be, not necessarily for this game in particular, but just uh, in general, uh, what would you say? You know, a quarterback scrambling behind the line, even with a fair amount of pressure, would be you know running in a game. Let's say sixty pass attempts. We'll, we'll say fifty. 60? Wow. Yeah, okay. sixty. This is you know Big Twelve football. I'm thinking of right now. All right, so 50 pass attempts is basically Mahomes in this game. You got to figure you're going to get pressured. I don't know. If you if you're if you're got a bad line, you're going to get pressured say 30% of the time. So now we're looking at like 17 pressure dropbacks. Um and if you scramble, in theory, you're still trying to work on a quick release, try to get the ball moving or go for the run. So, you know, let's say you don't we're not running too far. I'll say maybe four yards on average there now even that feels high for 17 dropbacks i'll drop it in at at uh 30 yards 498 (laughs) yeah oh wow i really i really am trying to find the exact tweet the exact uh breakdown just so i can make sure i know it was over 400 yards uh i really want to make sure i'm not misleading you in that exact number if Regardless, that's the case, I don't think there's much uh, leeway there. If that's the case, Patrick Mahomes was uh, pressured 20 times. So if he had 500 um, scrambling behind the line of scrimmage, rushing, running, running around the the the, the field uh, yards, that would mean that he um, how many wait shit? What's 500 divided by 20? Fuck! Why can't why can't my brain process um, that? 25 25 uh, that sounds right 25 uh 
uh, yards per pressure, and that sounds like a very high number, but I would also absolutely oh, believe it right. based on this game. Um, That's how bad this game was. Just also while we're on the topic of uh, pressures, uh, do you know those numbers? How many pressures each team had? I have it in front of me. I just said Pat Mahomes had uh, 20, and I see Brady has five. Is that what you have? No, that's not what I have. PFF tweeted out that uh, Brady had five, Mahomes had 38. Interesting. Uh, Where'd you get your stuff from? Uh, I'm looking at Pro Football Reference. Really? Hmm. But if you combine... Better than PFF, so we'll go with that one. Well, if you combine um, hurries and pressures... No, because hurries is built into pressures here. So I'm not sure. This is again relatively subjective. Um, man, because because honestly, twenty percent seems light. Yeah, twenty percent of his throws that game that seems very light. No, not twenty percent. Twenty overall. I don't know where I got percent from. Percentage wise, he's at thirty five point seven. Yeah, percentage wise, it doesn't really make much of a difference. It seemed like it was fucking every single play. It oh yeah, it did. Um speaking of fucking percentages though, like what's kind of wacky is how much Brady and Mahomes are in line in some of these percentages. Like drop percent. Pat Mahomes had five. Brady only Brady had three. Uh, but because of the increased uh, number of attempts, uh Pat Mahomes' drop percent ten point nine. Brady's 10.3, so percentage-wise, in line. I'd be willing to bet, based on the uh, huge gap in air yards, uh, intended versus completed, that Mahomes' drops were for significantly more uh, yards, but that's not part of what's included here. Same thing goes for bad throw percent. Uh, Brady was at 13.8, Mahomes at 15.2. Ish. Jesus Christ. So Mahomes, Build your offensive oh, lines, line. Mahomes only ended up completing two point seven air yards per pass attempt. Holy shit! Now Brady only completed two point five air yards per pass attempt, but that's also much easier to do when you're winning the whole game. Yeah, like when you're managing a game, it's fairly straight not straightforward but it's fairly simple to go back and then say hey let's let's keep it simple let's keep what we're doing you know pressure's off we just need to move the chains not drastically you know affect the outcome of the game by pushing the ball downfield doing all the sort of things you have to do when you're behind yeah, for for reference, uh, completed air yards per pass attempt for Mahomes uh, for the season in 2018, 4.3, 2019, 4.3, 2020, 4.2. Um, this game, 2.7. So this is vastly out of the norm for him. And it, it, it obviously, I mean, it was a bad game for him. Um, just trying to highlight it. You know, completed air yards per completion um, in this game, uh, five. Historically, six point five, six point five, and six point three in his three main seasons as a starter. I, I mean, I mean, you know, take take your pick of stats. This was bad. Um, you know, there's, there's also the factor of uh, his 
turf toe that he had to have surgery on and all that shit, but oh man. Just ugly. Just and then let's look at let's look at some rushing, shall we? Sure. Uh oh God. It it's never gonna get better for Kansas City. Um if you're a fan, I'm sorry. You might as well look away. Um You it's so not my total... absolutely look away. Yeah. So uh Tampa Bay rushed 33 times for 145 yards and one touchdown. Kansas City rushed 17 times for 107 total yards and no touchdowns. Oof. Oof, indeed. Um, oh, God. Yeah, I mean, it's... I guess somehow, you know... Technically, that is 6.3 yards per rush, which would be good. But, boy, howdy, is it bad. Boy, howdy. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, God. Yeah, so, uh, because, because Patrick Mahomes, because Patrick Mahomes had uh, 8.5 yards per scramble and had um, 6.6 rushing yards before, the con- before contact, um, Clyde Edwards Alaire was, uh, oh, wait, I just lost it. Where did I go? Um, son of a bitch. Where are we, Clyde? He's bound oh, down. Uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire had 7.1 yards per, uh, rushing attempt, and then Tyreek Hill and Daryl Williams basically were a non factor in the game, uh, each collecting only five rushing yards. Um, Tyreek Hill on one attempt, Daryl or Darrell Williams with two, um, which also seems weird because I I feel like rushing was a much bigger part of the game than seventeen attempts. I felt like I was getting annoyed by how much they were trying to run, um, but I guess not. Interesting. Um, I was honestly so distracted by the pass rush, I I barely noticed uh, the amount they were running. How many broken tackles do you think um, Kansas City running backs had? Uh, four. One. Yikes. Who was it? Yeah. Clyde Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah. Uh, Buccaneers had four broken tackles during the game, Um, but not, not the Chiefs. How many broken tackles do you think the Chiefs receivers had? Zero. Two. Uh, however, they had five drops. Um, oh the Buccaneers, yeah, five. Uh, Kelsey had one. Tyreek had one. Darrell Williams had one. Oh, Darrell, that's so bad. Darrell Williams finish, finishes this game two rushes for five yards and two receptions on seven targets for ten yards. Two drop passes. Man, I don't watch a ton of Kansas City games. You know, I, I haven't really followed any closer than what you you know a normal fan would. You know, watching the best team in football. But fuck, like, how did Le'Veon Bell not get into this game when Daryl Williams did? Yeah, honestly, I, I I'm hesitant to say because I, I watched a lot of Le'Veon Bell games this year and it wasn't his best season because the Jets are a nightmare team. 
but yeah, with Darrell Williams turning in what is such a terrible performance. I mean, how do you not give Lev Bell even a shot? Um, but Jesus. Like, I, I know he's, he's regressed a little bit because he's old and, and hasn't been playing nearly as well as he did when he was in Pittsburgh. But, like, is it that dramatic? Right. Someone tell me how to think about this because I've not broken down Le'Veon Bell after he broke my goddamn heart. And what's amazing is, you know what the average depth of target for um, Darrell Williams was on these seven targets? Zero uh, yards. They were all like either at or behind the line of scrimmage then. Basically. Interesting, to say the least. Yeah, that's fucking awful, is what that is. Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, man, that is so bad. Lord. Well, do you have any final thoughts uh, yeah. in this game? I don't want to uh, get stuck on this forever. Yeah, I know. I. I could, I could get lost on the rabbit hole of the many, many, many stats that there are for um, NFL games. I find them to be so much fun. Um, oh, one other aspect of the game, kind of, in terms of entertainment value, what is your opinion on the weekend's halftime show? Uh, I didn't think it was that good. Yeah, I didn't like it either. It just did nothing for me. It felt weird that also there was like nobody else who came out. Yeah, I was very surprised until I found out that he paid for it all himself. Yeah, I was going to say the same. Yeah, he paid like seven, eight million dollars, some shit like that. And did not get paid for his performance, which I'm sure when he approached the NFL with this offer of like, I'm going to perform, I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to pay for it, you're not going to have any say. I won't even take any payment. I imagine it all came out in a single sentence and they were just like, you're going to pay for it and we don't have to pay you? Yeah, dude, do whatever you want. I don't even give a shit. Like, go ahead. Oh, man, I I couldn't get over the fact that, like, obviously if you win to the game, you have bad judgment um, because why would you? It's a pandemic. Um, I don't know. If I was a healthcare worker and they were like, all right, you're going to be one of 22,000 people that go to this game, you know, the smallest in the history of, you know, the Super Bowl, I'd be like, all right, I'll fucking mask up. I will sit in the nosebleeds or, you know, as far away from anyone else as I can possibly be. But I I think I would go to the game. Like, I I understand it. Go out as little as humanly possible for various reasons, mostly just to avoid people. But I think I'd have to go to the game. Like that's that's not something I think I could turn down. I I understand. Point being, imagine you paid for a, a ticket to this game, part of which includes a ticket to the halftime show, and then the man giving the performance leaves the stage for a significant period of time, and you have to then watch it on a screen. I'd be furious. Yeah, that's not ideal. It was so fucking dumb. And then, I'm sorry, I lost my shit when they panned out while he was on the field to all the people dressed like him dancing because you could not tell what the fuck was happening from a from a distance. It looked like it looked like a bunch of people just high on MDMA just kind of going at it. And while that might be what they were going for, that is not pleasing to watch. It looked ridiculous. Imagine what old people were saying about this. 
Well, you know what's funny is my boss at work loved it. Really? Yeah, she was like, I just thought it was so creative. I'm like, oh, wow. Well, it, it was, I thought it was bad. But... I, I didn't see anything about it at all um, from, like, my parents or anything. Like, any of the older people I see. So. Uh, also, shout outs to the streaker. Um, yeah. Ran on the field. Uh, who apparently placed a $50,000 bet that there would be a streaker at the Super Bowl and then did it himself and collected $275,000 as his uh, uh, return on his, on his bet. I don't, I don't think he's going to be able to. I, don't, I didn't see that he collected. I saw that that's like what he was, what the ticket would have paid out. I don't think he's going to be able to collect the ticket. Oh, I had seen that he had already collected. Uh, do you want to try and find that? Because I really don't. I'm gonna. I want to live in the world where he does collect it. I don't, which is fine. It would be my assumption and my understanding that part of the agreement of placing that bet is that you cannot have, you know, a tangible con- connection to the outcome. Like you cannot directly affect the outcome of that bet you know like him oh, being you're right the streaker, streaker, t- streaker tries to collect three hundred seventy-five thousand dollar bet but gets shut down by sportsbook yeah uh, i don't know how you why in the world you would ever openly admit to putting that bet down and not understanding that you can't do that it's against the law or at least the law of the casino that you bet with. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it seems obviously against the rules. I f- would have figured... See, I think this guy's problem is that he announced he did it. Exactly. Yeah, because if you find a story about it, then someone's going to find out about it. Uh, it's like the biggest issue for criminals everywhere. You know, like, how have you not... Like, you watch so much crime drama, you know, you see all this shit on TV, it inspires you to pull this shit. How I mean, it's Florida. These people eat crayons. Yeah. Florida is the worst state. The old assumption that there is rational thought behind it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, yeah, this Super Bowl was not fun. Um, it's also going to get painted as a Tom Brady success story, which I think is bullshit because while he did have a good game, this is a Todd Bowles success story. And I, Super Bowl MVP is a stupid award, um, because it almost always feels like it goes to the quarterback, whether they had the largest impact on the game or not. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's easy. It's an individual position. Um, like the defense is what really made this game such a success story for Tampa Bay, but not because of any necessarily, I should say not necessarily because of any individual player because of the scheme overall that was crafted out and how they were going to approach the chiefs offense, which again, Todd Bowles, uh, but there's no good way of admitting You can't Bowles isn't a player, so you can't give him the most valuable player award. So it went to Tom Brady, who was the storyline of the, of the game, but I'm not necessarily, I think it's bright a star. So, um, I it don't think, huh? It should have been Devin white. Uh, he had a hell of a game. He had the biggest impact on defense. You know, I, uh, yeah, Tom threw what three touchdowns, but it wasn't, yeah. 
it wasn't his. It's not his success story. Half. Yeah. He he is the storyline because of who he is. Like he got this award for being who he is. Mm-hmm. A common complaint from Patriots fans about Peyton Manning winning the award. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh yeah. Um in yeah. So I uh I I, I don't care. Uh, it doesn't sting nearly as bad as when the Patriots would win it with Tom. Um I have immediately stopped caring, but um not 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 a great football experience in the afternoon on Sunday, gotta say. Uh no, completely agree. Wasn't perfect, but hey, had a good time. All right. Um, so you want to talk some quarterback trade stuff that's been going on? Sure. All right. Well, I guess we should start um, with the one that actually happened, right? The uh, the Lions, um, Rams. Jesus Christ! The Ryan, <laughs> the Ryan's Lambs trade. The Lions Rams trade. Um, sending. Matt Stafford over to Los Angeles uh, in exchange for um, Jared Goff and pieces. Uh, so let me get the exact trade details up. The Lions are sending Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for the Rams' first-round draft picks in 2022 and 2023, a third-round pick in 2021, and quarterback Jared Goff. I don't know how the Rams have draft picks to send. I don't. Oh, that's uh, that's its own question, isn't it? Um, um, I mean, what what year did they draft golf? Twenty eighteen, sixteen. No way, really. Oh, dude, absolutely. What? No, it's twenty nineteen. Twenty. It's definitely not twenty nineteen. Um, oh, then I, then, um, you're correct. Huh? you changed your answer. So you're still wrong. <laughs> but yeah, I'm 20- having, I'm having a really rough time with Google right now. <laughs> Josh is fucking hammered right now, man. This is, uh, yeah, this is, this is the roughest Google I've had in a while. And that's saying something. Yeah. No shit. Um, so from 20, 20- 16 for or I'm sorry 2016 will be the last year the Rams draft in the first round until 2024 and you know what's sad is with the way the NFL is constructed if they win one title it's I guess technically worth it um yeah if you win a title it's absolutely worth it at the same time Eight straight years without a first-round pick is insanity. Or seven straight years without a first-round pick. It will be the eighth year. Oh, completely. Year. Yeah. All right, so let, let's let's approach this trade in a couple ways. First off, let's look at it from a contract perspective because these guys um, make a lot of money, and it's usually yeah. a big incentive for why they get moved around. So uh, Goff in 2021 is slotted to make uh, his cap hit anyway is twenty seven point eight million dollars. Twenty twenty two, it's um twenty five point five million dollars. We're only going to take those two years because that's when Stafford's ends. Um, there is two more years on top of it 
at $25 million in 2023, $26 million in 2024. So there's that extra $51 million that are in play for the Lions after uh, the end of 2022. But we'll take it from there. Stafford in 2021 is slotted to make or his hit against the cap is $20 million. And then in 2022, it's $23 million. So the Rams are in some way saving uh, $7.8 million in this upcoming season and then $2.5 million the following season, overall saving in just these two years uh, $10 million. Plus, unless there's some contract, some money being retained by the Rams, I haven't seen it, but um, it also means that they get to free themselves of the $51 million that they'd be on the hook for in the final two years. So altogether, they uh, seem to be saving uh, $61 million. Which kind of, in of itself, makes this worth it. Um, only because, and we'll get into that as the next point, um, Goff isn't very good. So, uh, I, no, I'm not saying he's not good. I'm saying he isn't very good. And I'm not sure Stafford is significantly better. But... Well, no, I'm, 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 what I'm trying to say here is I'm not trying to talk about comparative skill yet. Yet. All I'm saying is that 50, $61 million for a dude that isn't very, very good, that's a lot of money. So I get it. Are you from saying, that perspective. Is, wait, $61 million, is that Stafford or Goff's contract? That's Goff. Okay. Then I can agree with that statement. That is right. significant overpay. And is why we're seeing a bunch of picks come back with this. That being said, you know what? You're in the driver's seat here. I'll I'll let you keep driving. Well, no. Well, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the money yet? Before we, before we move on to the, to the 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 other parts of it. Um, the cap space for the Rams is always been and will be an issue obviously you know they have a lot of very high paid players they've been in this cap hell for several years now i still don't know how they manage it but then again the cap is a mystery um and especially this upcoming year when it's getting reduced to now they're predicting 180 181 as the salary cap um, it would be hard to maintain that team. You know, a lot of teams are going to have to cut good players to get under the cap. You know, just throwing it in there. The Broncos cut A.J. Boye today because he has a $13 million cap hit that they saved by cutting him. Uh, that's an all-pro player, the, you know, a couple years ago. Um, so I think it's necessary for them to have gotten rid of Goff and being able to get a guy like Stafford back is huge. Yeah, yeah, and and again, it, it it it's it's a big trade, not just because of the players or contracts, but also because of the teams and their individual positions as well as the players. And like, there, there's a lot of different angles to look at this from. Um, so, but trying to keep it as narrow focus as we can as we talk about the bits and pieces uh for for the rams on its face this makes all the sense in the world um because like you said the stuff's gonna eventually gonna be coming due and this just makes their future cap finaglings 
so much easier. Um, being able to push some of the potentially anyway, push some of the cap hits uh, towards those 2023 and 2024 seasons where golf's contract just got freed up. So we'll see how that works over time. Um, Stafford, on the other hand, looking to get out of Detroit um, because Detroit has never won with him. And they're not Detroit, No, they're not close. And Detroit, to their credit, was like, yeah, man, like, thank you. We'll we'll do what we can. And then did him a solid. It would seem. Um, they put him on a contender. So Stafford gets to go to go to a, a, a winning t- a, a team positioned to win. Um, he will be likely an upgrade there and put them in an even like- stronger position. Uh and get back a guy who can play quarterback um, when they have a slew of other problems they need to address and golf can be a stopgap for them. Um, and they have the cap space to kind of throw around. So I really want to bring up the QB rankings we did. Oh, way back when. Um, NFL position rankings, just to compare. So this was done in June of last year, June 6th. Uh, so going into this past season, uh, I personally had Goff. Why can't I find him? Don't tell me it's that low. No, I'm just blind as a goddamn fucking bat. I had Matthew Stafford at 16. I am fucking stupid. Where did uh, I have Stafford? Do you have that? I don't think I do. Maybe I do. No. No. That's okay. I forgive you. Jared Golf I had at 33. Was I fucking drunk or high when I made this? I put I put Gardner Minshew at 32 and Jared Golf at 33. Andy Dalton at 29. What? Oh, you put Dalton <laughs> over Golf. Wow, I don't remember this at all. I don't either. It's amazing how much I would change these rankings now. Um, but there was there some caveat to this. Ask I don't know, man. What I'm saying, well, what I'm, what I want to get at is, I think in the Rams' offense, if Stafford is healthy, if Stafford has the protection. If he's playing with, you know, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, you know, he's got Tyler Higby there. He has some diverse weapons. Um, I think he could easily, I don't want to say easily because that's, excuse me, I have the hiccups. That's, you know, discounting how good the rest of the league is. But I think he has a chance to put up a top five QB season next year. Um. Golf was definitely a cap for that team. He was definitely a guy that was limiting their potential. You know, he was able to make all the throws. He is able to. He's able to drive the offense, but I don't think he would ever be able to control the offense i don't think he was able to improvise out of what we had like what we uh saw i don't think he would be able to improvise away from that playbook 
anywhere close to the way Matt Stafford can. Um, and I think working with a guy like Sean McVay, it will really allow that team to focus themselves around Stafford rather than protecting Stafford in the way that they had to with Goff. Um, so I think it's really just going to open that offense up and just make it extremely more versatile and deep. And I'm very excited to see what he can do with a guy like Sean McVay compared to, you know, a Jim Bob Cooter. Oh, those dark times. Uh, There's any better examples that he's worked with, but none with quite the same level of 80 great punchy name. Great name that Jim yeah. Bob Cooter has. Such a great football name. Uh, <laughs> For for a quick comparison, um, Matthew Stafford in his career, 62.6% completion percent. Um, let's see if I can find some game-based stats. 273.4 yards per game on average, 4.5% uh, touchdown percent to a 2.3% interception percent. Um versus Goff sitting at a 63.4% completion percent. So that is higher. Um, a 4.4% touchdown percent, which is lower, um, a 2.3% interception percent, which is the same, uh, 263.3 yards per game, which is lower. Um, yeah, average quarterback rating for Matt Stafford over his career, 89.9. Goff, 91.5. That's actually interesting. Um, but, yeah, uh, Stafford, they're getting a guy that has, in a full 16-game season, has never had fewer than 4,000 yards in his career. Um, that's a good guy. That's a good player. Yeah, that, that's a guy who is going to win you some football games. Hmm. I mean, I'm yeah. Excited. I'm really excited to uh, to see how this, this team purrs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um <laughs> In addition to to Goff, the the Rams also sent over because we didn't talk about the picks in depth yet. Um, two first round picks and a third round pick, and I, I I always laugh a little bit when we see these like mid round picks going in with these huge blockbusters because it's like, is that what made makes or breaks the deal? It's like, all right, we'll take Goff, we'll take two first round picks, but can you make it a little bit sweeter of a deal? Um. <laughs> I need you to do more. I'll give you that fourth. You know, it, it's golf, two first round picks and a fourth. That fourth just ain't cutting it. <laughs> it's like when you see a seventh. It's like, really? A seventh? That's what we're trading now? Uh, but anyway. Um, so in theory, if this works out well for the Rams, um, those first round picks will be pretty late. Um, and who cares about that third round pick? But for... The Lions, in terms of what I had said previously, which is this seems to be a good stopgap quarterback fill for them while they figure the rest of the shit out, these two first-round picks aid in that tremendously because they can be used to figure the rest of their roster shit out, uh, build up some pieces that maybe aren't QB, and then figure QB out later either on the free agency level or try to use um some of these first round picks either to draft a quarterback or for capital for trading up in future drafts so um 
seems to just make all the sense in the world for the Lions. Uh, I got distracted looking at a chart, and I am sorry if I missed a question. No, I was just saying this seems to make a lot of sense for. Um, this it seems a, it it's a it's a trade where you can so clearly tell. It's refreshing that this trade isn't just a salary dump for the Lions. Like like they they have a plan mm-hmm. for rebuilding purposes. And it's not just like blindly to get better. Like this 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 is a fun trade because there's a clear strategy with um with the worst team trying to improve here. Um in a meaningful way. It's refreshing to see. Yeah, I'm uh I'm really excited. Oh man. <laughs> January 14th was when the Lions hired the Rams director of college scouting to be their new GM. This is an insider deal. He's going to quit and just go um, back um, and join the Rams in like a week and a half. This is insider trading, folks. We found it. Um, but no, Brad Holmes got hired to be the new GM this year. They hired Matt Campbell as the new head coach. I like what the Lions are doing. I'm biased because I've always wanted to see the Lions perform well. That's always been, you know, something I've been hoping I could see one day. And I really want them to do it. And I think of all the times uh, in their history when I've been alive, this is the right setup to do it. And that feels disgusting to say because they just lost Matt Stafford. And, you know, having him and Calvin Johnson together was always fantastic to watch. But it it never was a, at a point where you could see, hey, they are these steps away from a championship. Um, and I think now we're still not at that point. But I'm confident that they're on the path to get there. So, go to the Lions. Good go on Lions. the Lions. Let's enunciate. Now, for yeah. the Rams side of things, I I am tempted to say this is also good for them. Oh my god! But in like the worst way possible. Also, so true. Like. This is probably exactly what they needed to do, but the only reason it's what they needed to do is because they fucked themselves so hard to get here. It is a like it's a payment I completely agree is necessary. I love the move for their short-term success. For the next 10 years after, you know, it gets to the point where you can't pay Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, you know, these premier top of their position guys who command significant paychecks. That's not sustainable. And when they get to the point where they inevitably have to break this up, the future from that point on is dark because you don't have any young homegrown talent on a rookie deal. You don't have any guys that you can come in and grow with your team and granted you know rookie deal is you know maximum of five years you know you can't really plan too far ahead relying on that but it's it's a cycle that is either going to you know 
provide positive feedback or it's going to provide negative feedback. Bringing in guys consistently every year with your first, second, third round picks that can contribute in some way doesn't even have to be in an impacting, meaningful way, but just having guys that you can rely on for depth, for starters, for uh, a, a top talent player when you get lucky is incredibly, unbelievably helpful for building your overall team. And when you do not have these, you know, foundational pieces, um, it forces you to overspend. It forces you to take risks with assets that are far more limited. You know, when you have draft picks to rely on, when you have free agents to rely on, and you can mix the two, it gives you a large pool of assets to bounce off of, you know, different investments and allows you to take risks that you otherwise wouldn't be able to take without that kind of capital. And it allows you to recover from bad mistakes. And without those, you're kind of putting all of your chips into these baskets that if they fall through, they're really going to tank your team. And I just don't love the Rams future with that because they won't be in a good place. Oh man, they are going to be an interesting case going forward because they are either going to be an example for how the league progresses um, or a warning to never do this again. So far, I'd say they're a warning. Yes. Because even if they win one title, what they have had to go through to get it, like the the route, let's assume the Rams win the Super Bowl next season. The route that the Rams would have gone to accomplish that versus the route that the Bucks had to go through to just win it this season, laughable. You literally just laughed. Laughably, laughable comparisons. Like, uh, now obviously, you know, signing literal actual Tom Brady certainly helps, um, but that's not the only thing that the Bucks did. And you know, we're sitting here arguing about the importance of it, but they the Bucks did a lot of other things right this 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 season, get heading into it, um, that led to this type of success. So seeing, man, seeing what the Rams have done, it's either it's either going to be a process that gets refined. And streamlined so it doesn't take like six years to get right and multiple quarterbacks. Um, or it's never going to be tried again because this is fucking stupid. So we'll find out. I think the most likely scenario is this has some level of success. They win a Super Bowl, they get to that point. Maybe not even best, ca- or not even most likely, but best case scenarios. They win a Super Bowl. Their fans have a sigh of relief. They can be content with what you know the outcome was, but the league as a whole takes note of the insane risk that had to be taken and how close it came to not working out. And even though it did, in the end, I think everyone's just going to look at this and say, just not not worth it. 
Oh, God, it certainly doesn't seem like it. Um, speaking of which, let's pivot on over. Unless you have any uh, closing takes on this? Uh, no. All right. Uh, to, it's not official, and we were waiting on some official news. We're hoping it might come before we recorded this. But uh, the Eagles are trying to trade Carson Wentz, and the Bears are trying to trade for Carson Wentz. There's been some stagnation here um, as the Eagles are either trying to hold out because they actually believe in Carson Wentz or they're trying to hold out because they want more for Carson Wentz. Um, last thing I had seen, the Bears had previously offered two second-round picks and Nick Foles. Um, I kind allegedly. of think that... Allegedly. And apparently they've made another offer since then. We don't we don't have any impression of what it might be, but they made another offer since then, so chances are it's higher. Um I I don't know what the Eagles plan is here, but um whatever the Bears are offering, the Eagles should take. Yeah. Um I'm with you on that. And it's it's not even like they desperately, desperately need to get rid of Carson Wentz. But if they have a quarterback room of Jalen Hurts and Nick Foles and a bunch of money freed up to go do other shit, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to tell you Carson Wentz is bad. I don't think he's bad. He's inconsistent and he gets hurt a lot. And your rest of your team has potential in other spots. You can go do other shit and get better in other places. Carson Wentz isn't winning at the Super Bowl. No. At least not the Carson Wentz we've seen lately. Um, no. Like, yes, we've seen those kind of heights in the past. But you look at the scenarios he's been in the past two years, and it just doesn't paint a positive picture looking out uh, for the rest of his contract. And you have a guy in Jalen Hurts who I'm very high on. They seem to be very high on the team as a whole, seems to be very high on. He's cheap, which is the biggest thing. I don't see how you try and fix him when you have a guy that doesn't need to necessarily be fixed, just needs to be kind of molded. Um, I think it'd be dumb not to take a deal for Carson at this point. Unless you can't get anything back, I'd say, okay, hold out for maybe there's an injury in training camp. Maybe, you know, they get a team gets stuck in a position where they're a little more desperate and are a little more willing to pay that kind of money out or that kind of capital out. But uh, holding on to him with the intent of fixing him and having him return to that role that he was in just seems like a huge mistake. I I know, and you know it's it's a good position for them to to move on, be in a position to draft another quarterback if they really fucking felt like it. For whatever reason, they didn't have faith in Hurts or whatever. Like I don't get what the attachment is to Wentz for the Eagles when this is a great position for them to not be quite as buried as Goff or as entrenched as Goff was. They have a chance to move on from Wentz in at a, at a not as much of a loss as trading golf away was. Um, hell, they'll actually get something in return. Like, I 
I I don't know why they're not jumping at this. Um, either they're uh, overplaying their hand or they're overestimating Carson Wentz. I think they're over in part overplaying their hands and also looking at the price they paid to get him and the price they would be giving up. And they understand they would lose their jobs if Hertz doesn't work out better than Carson Wentz and if somehow Carson Wentz is able to kind of fix his issues, solve his issues, get back to that level and then the Eagles are looking like idiots and failures and that inevitably would cost them their jobs and sunk cost man move on at the same time with how I can play the devil's advocate and look at it and say we can all see how drastic the NFL is and how it needs to be in order in order to stay up to date and how patience is a virtue that many NFL franchises just do not have or aren't able to have. And it doesn't matter if it works out six years from now. If it doesn't work out two, three years from now, they're gone. Uh, I I think it's I think it's a fast paced league, and you either got to shape up or or you're gonna miss out. Uh, I mean I mean that's the way they're 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 look. At some point between now and the inevitable heat death of the universe, Carson Wentz will stop playing football for Philadelphia. <gasps> <laughs> like hate to break it to Philly fans. At some point it's gonna happen. Your 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 fucking choice here, man, is to figure out if it's gonna happen now, where you get something in return, or if you want to bank on it getting worse and you get less back when Carson Wentz leaves in that you either get nothing because you didn't trade him or you get significantly lower value because you traded him at a lower value. Um, and you risk him being better and either you, he just never leaves and he's good forever uh, or you trade him at a higher value. And I think the likelihood of those second two things are very low. Um and that's not, again, it's not even necessarily a dig. A late career resurgence or even like third, fourth year quarterback resurgences are super rare. They're really rare. It'd be, yeah. It's weird to bank on that. And it wouldn't be necessarily like weird if it happened, but it'd be weird to bank on. Don't the bet on that. The only I can even think of is... Uh, Carson Palmer. Okay. Um, and man, I just, you have a guy there that has a ton of promise. Why? He's so cheap too. And, uh, Eagles need to, I'm not saying they need to rush and get this done today or tomorrow or, you know, not be patient with this, but they need to do something at some point. Like, they cannot waste this opportunity. Firmly agreed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, there's still the Deshaun Watson rumors, which are getting more confusing by the day. It apparently seems as though the Texans continue to be a hot mess as more reporting comes out about the dysfunction within the front office, which would make you think it's more likely for Deshaun Watson to get what he wants. However, the front office seems to be holding him hostage. Um, so who fucking knows? It's it's too murky to even make guesses at um, 
trade destinations, values, timelines, any of that shit. So we're going to kind of leave it be. Um, there were Hall of Fame announcements, um, as well as the NFL awards and honors that came out um, before the Super Bowl, Saturday and Sunday. Um, we're going to hold off on those until either this upcoming Sunday or uh, upcoming Monday um, or next Thursday, just so we have time to to do it all. Um, you know, we don't want to give anyone short shrift when they get into the NFL Hall of Fame because it's a, it's a big deal. And these are players that Corwin and I grew up with. Um, so I'm sure we're going to have lots to say. Um, mm. And same thing with the awards and honors. There's, there's many words to be said about the awards, as I'm sure Corwin will detail for us when we talk about them. Um, so going to save that for later. Uh, anything else for this week? No, no. All right. Um, so it is still black history month. So I wanted to give a shout out, uh, as, as a little bit of black history knowledge, um, for the, for the United States of America, Cuban, it's sports related. Uh, Corwin Heller, who was the first black quarterback in the NFL? Do you know? Uh, um, I had no idea until I looked it up. Oh, um, Warren Moon. No, Marlon Briscoe. Uh, little different. Little uh, a different name. Different name. Marlon Oliver Briscoe. Uh. Got was drafted by the Denver Broncos and became the first black starting quarterback in the NFL and set a Denver Broncos at the time rookie rookie record of 14 touchdown passes in that season. Um, <clears throat> after that one year, he played three seasons in Buffalo, three seasons in Miami. Uh, in his 1975 campaign, he played in both Detroit and San Diego and then wrapped up his career at age 31 in 1976 in New England. Um, but by that time he had switched all those rest of those seasons, his age, um, or the 1969 season to the 1976 season. Um, he became a wide receiver. The only season he played as a quarterback was in 1968 in Denver. Um, and I assume he switched to uh, wide receiver for racism reasons. Um, cause that seems to be a pretty safe bet, but, um, uh, Marlon Briscoe, not in the Hall of Fame, surprisingly. Two-time Super Bowl champ, one-time Pro Bowler, and first black quarterback, black starting quarterback in NFL history. Not in the Hall of Fame. Feels like an oversight. Um, I'd also like to shout out Fritz Pollard. So Fritz Pollard was um, the first black quarterback in like football history. Not necessarily... NFL because he played on teams that pre-existed some of the NFL's teams. So he was a quarterback on the Akron Pros, the Union Club of Phoenixville, the Milwaukee Badgers, Gilberton Cardamounts, the Hammond Pros, the Providence Steamrollers, and the Akron Indians. I've um, heard of those teams. Yeah, no clue. Uh, as a coach, he was the coach um, while he was playing for some of these teams, um, including the Lincoln PA, Lincoln Lions, um, the Akron Pros, uh, Hammond Pros, and then his post-playing career, the Chicago Blackhawks, the football team, not 
the um, hockey team. Uh, so that's Fritz Pollard. He also eventually became the uh, the first African-American head coach in the NFL. Um, but I don't see what team that was with. So I don't know. Oh, the Akron Pros, apparently. I guess. Well. Yeah. I guess that counts as NFL. The Akron Pros might roll into one of the other teams that we know of today. Tough to say. But anyway, so shout-outs to to two of the uh, groundbreaking black quarterbacks in NFL history, uh, Fritz Pollard and Marlon Briscoe. Now you know. Um, let's get Marlon Briscoe in the Hall of Fame. Fritz Pollard, for the record, is in the Hall of Fame. At least we got that. Yeah. So, there's those guys. Now you now you know. Now you know the name. Um. All right. Well, that's it for this week, I guess. So, I would. If you want to follow, well, what's up, Corbin? What? Sorry, like cat or something? Yeah, I hear you again now. So try it. Try it again. Uh, I just wanted to say, it's pretty crazy to me how the baseball players who broke the barrier, the you know, the other sports that did these impressive first feats you know, during times of segregation and things like that, that we now celebrate. It's really crazy how we don't know those names for football in something that's, you know, just as, you know, America's pastime. We don't know those players. We don't know those history makers the way that we do in other sports. And, um, I don't really think we should get into it now, but it just came to, came to my head. No, I, it's something I think about a lot, too. You know, like, we know Willie O'Ree. For, for, for the NHL, uh, you know, Jackie Robinson for the MLB. I think part of it is that the NHL and the MLB, um, the one of the few things that those two leagues do well is talk about those two players. Um, how well they talk about all the other black players throughout their history is suspect at best, and how the league has treated their black players since the times those two players made their appearances is also suspect at best. But those two leagues do do a very good job of saying our first black players were Jackie Robinson and Willie O'Ree. The NFL doesn't. And I think that's a failure of the NFL. And I also think it's part of a symptom of the, well, one racism uh, and two, the NFL having such a weird beginning because it was as regional and, you know, spread out as baseball was come the time of integration it was such a i mean it was an establishment you know by the time jackie robinson broke the color barrier in 1946 um mlb had existed in some form for 60 years you know it started in 1880 um by the time integration was starting in the nfl there wasn't even the merger yet you know we're talking all these different leagues um that have different rules like jackie robinson played college football at ucla but other colleges in the country weren't allowing integrated um, teams. 
you know, it was just so disparate because everyone was operating on their own wavelength. Like the NFL really didn't come together until, I mean, Super Bowl fucking won, you know? Um, before that, it was just all over the place with what was happening and who was doing what. Um, and I think that's part of the reason. I do think NFL should be doing a significantly better job because, um, like, I've never even heard, I'd never passingly heard the names Fritz Pollard or Marlon Briscoe. Um, nope. And that's awful. So. Yeah. That's, maybe. Uh, that's on that. But, yeah. Yeah. But, hey, you know, it's good that we're doing our own research. We're doing our own knowledge hunting. And if you're listening to this, I hope you learned it, too. Um, you know, I know that Corwin and I uh, were joined by Keith earlier this month to talk about black history, but it's black history the whole month. So we're going to try to I'm going to try to sprinkle in some little knowledge darts at the end of every episode going forward. Um, you know, we had a guest on on, on Monday, so um, tough to bring up uh, or you know, wanted to make sure we devoted our entire time to that. But we're going to keep it up for the rest of the month at the very least, um, since this shit is important and we love talking about it. So we're going to keep it up. Um, but that's the show for this for today. Like this week, I don't know what counts. Um, if you want to find us on Twitter, yell at us for being tired and bad at this today. You can do so <laughs> at Juicing Pod. And if you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one.